Welcome to God's Not Done With You podcast. In this season of interviews, Pastor John Metter talks with everyday people whose lives parallel some of the amazing comeback stories in the Bible. Pastor John and his guests will show us how God can take any situation in life and bring hope and victory out of hardship. Hey, this is John Metter, and welcome to the God's Not Done With You podcast. If you've been with us, you know that we've walked through nine chapters in the God's Not Done With You book, and I really commend the book to you because it's uh, it's a book with lots of details that we can't possibly cover in a podcast. Uh, so many stories of how God has taken people who seem so far behind or so overwhelmed, some actually dead, and giving them new life and new purpose and new meaning after having an encounter with him. And I, I hope that as you've walked with me through these podcasts, that you've experienced some of that, that you've experienced some new life, some new encounters with God. Uh, but when we get to this last chapter, chapter 10 of the book, God's Not Done With You, the title is What God Began, He Will Complete. And this is really my story. I, I don't often tell my story. I tell bits and pieces of it. But this is something that's unique and special to me. And there's a verse associated with this. It's in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, where Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, what God began in your life, he's going to complete in your life. And, uh, and I hope that the final chapter of the book itself is a chapter for you and your story. And because of that, I want to tell my story and to help you know personally how this God's not done with you is a big deal to me. My earliest waking memory is a memory that's not a good memory, but it's not a horrible memory, but it's an early memory where I was about five or six years of age. We lived in a small, remote, uh, rural part of Oklahoma, and uh, I had uh, gotten a, a high fever. My temperature was over 105, 106 at various times, and my parents were terrified. We were not anywhere near a hospital or a clinic. Uh, a doctor was available by phone, and they'd been on the phone with this doctor. And this doctor told my parents, you need to immerse your son in a bathtub full of ice and ice water to try to break the fever because it could ca cause some permanent damage uh, if he survives this high temperature for a long period of time. And so that's what I, I remember. I remember my parents pushing me into this bathtub full of ice and, of course, I remember being perplexed, and, and it never happened to me before. I remember seeing the seriousness on their faces and realizing that, um, that this was going to be a, an, uh, an experience I had never had before. They assured me that they loved me and they were doing the right thing for me, uh, but pushing me into that bathtub full of ice wasn't something I was prepared for. So I struggled. I fought. But I also remember uh, that at some point in those few moments, that my, I began to be queasy, and uh, my, my fever began to break, and I actually remember throwing up and realizing that uh, something's happened inside of my body. And um, my fever did break, and um, there was, as a result of that, uh, I, I got better. I got, I got well. So I was functioning fully, but in the month following that, the people around me began to realize that something was not quite right in the way I responded to them. Uh, they would say things to me, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't acknowledge it. They would call me, and I wouldn't come, um, and I wouldn't talk as much. I began to get quiet. And so as a result of that, um, they began to ask a few questions, and eventually my, 
uh, kindergarten or first grade teacher recognized what was going on. And uh, she said, you know, I, I believe I know what's wrong with your son. I believe he's lost his hearing. And that turned into a, a comprehensive hearing test and the confirmation from an audiologist that I had indeed lost my hearing after consulting with doctors um, and the leading surgeons in that area that we uh, had driven miles to see. Uh, they finally concluded that the inner ears uh, nerves in my ears were both severely damaged as a result of that fever and that it, breaking that fever did save my life, but I was left with what they called irreversible uh, nerve damage in the inner ear. And it was the equivalent of losing 90% of my hearing. And so at that moment, my world went largely silent, even though I didn't understand exactly what was taking place. Well, my parents jumped into action, trying to do everything they could to to help me with this problem of not being able to hear. And I remember being in this small town that we lived in and having an army of helpers. These teachers were phenomenal. My, my friends, my classmates were understanding, and they just did everything they could to help me uh, have equal footing, even though I'd lost my hearing. Eventually, I was um, prescribed hearing aids, and I began to take lip-reading classes. And at the time, there was no uh, sign language uh, teachers available to us as I said, we were in a remote part of rural Oklahoma, and the only prognosis that the doctors could give me was that you could teach him to read lips and try to function in a normal hearing world, or you can send him to a school for the deaf. And for my parents, their, their, uh, their choice was, we're going to keep him at home, we're going to do everything we can. So I had a set of a, a great parents. My mom and dad were phenomenal in doing everything they could to help me uh, learn to read lips, to help me learn to function in a fully hearing world. I'm not against signs and interpretation, um, and I'm certainly not against healing, but they did everything they could to help me be able to function well. And, uh, and so that's the way I was raised. I was raised with a hearing loss, wearing hearing aids, reading lips, and to this day, with a 95% hearing loss, um, I rarely hear words fully, but I hear vowel sounds or what sounds like a murmuring in a room nearby. And I put that together with reading a person's lips, seeing the consonants formed, so I hear vowels to a degree, and I see consonants, and I put that together with the context, and that's how I converse. So I can read lips from a great distance. Uh, I, I, I still think I, was, I should have been hired by the NFL to be able to read the plays that coaches call in from the sidelines. Uh, of course, now coaches are privy to that now with television and all, but bottom line is uh, I can read lips really well, and God has given me amazing and extraordinary grace in order to function well in a hearing world, even though I've lost... 95% of my hearing. Now I have to say, when I was a teenager, I was extremely frustrated by the fact that I was an unusual individual in the sense that I couldn't hear. I was the object of jokes. People would make fun of me. Um, and they, they didn't mean ill, but, but they just didn't realize how deeply that hurt. Uh, so I, I remember being upset. Uh, life was not fair. God had not dealt me with an with a even hand. And, uh, and I was frustrated and often angry with God. I think life was difficult for me in a number, of, a number of ways. I would ask questions like, why is everybody else normal while I have this hearing loss? Or where was God when this happened? Or if God is able to do anything, why doesn't he change my hearing problem? So that, that led to a lot of frustration. And, and then later on, a lot of breakthroughs. As God brought me to the place where he realized, I can use you. And in fact, I have a purpose for your hearing loss that goes beyond what you can even possibly imagine. 
Now, I'm going to pause just a little bit with my story to remind you that people in everyday situations in life have these same kinds of questions. You may have the same kinds of questions. What if you stop believing that God has a purpose and a plan? What if you stop believing that God is the good God who, who can remedy all the problems that you face in life? Well, then you're really in a tough quandary at that point. If there's no God who's good, if there's no God who's willing to redeem something that you don't understand the purpose of, then it's just a tough life. But uh, all of us have something in our lives that we're not quite sure why God hath allowed it in our lives. And that's really what the book is all about. The book is all about God's not done with you. He's got some amazing plans with you. And this chapter is one in which I want to talk to you about what you need to remember when you realize you really do want to be on a journey with God, even though you don't understand everything he's brought you through. You don't understand what he's brought you to, and you don't understand what he's brought you through or will bring you through. So I have some questions for you that I pose in the book, and some of these are the same questions, but the bottom line is you need to ask these questions. Are you going to run away from God, or are you going to run towards God? I have found in my life it is so much more helpful to run towards God instead of away from Him. First of all, I can't outrun God. But secondly, when I run to God, I run to His resources and His wisdom as well as to Him as a person. Are you running to God or away from God? Are you winning or losing the battle against everything that's going on around you? Are you transparent with your life? Or are you hiding something that you've done about how you've lived? Have you settled with the past, or do you struggle with all that you experience? Have you forgiven people that you need to forgive? And have you forgiven God or allow you to be in this situation that you may have been in? Are you still angry even a little bit? That's a really important thing for us to settle all those things. Because I'm going to remind you that as you move forward, that God is at work to bring you to a place in the future that's far beyond where you are right now. Now, I glean these principles, these seven ones that I'm going to share with you. I glean them from all of the characters in the Old Testament that I write about and God's not done with you. So let me give them to you in, in the way of reminder. Many of us know these things, but we need to be reminded. And I, I hope today, I pray today, that you will be reminded of a good and loving and purposeful God who has an amazing plan for your life if you'll just let him perform that plan. So reminder number one, God is, a, God is completely aware of where you are and what is taking place. There were times when I didn't believe that. I would ask God, where are you? I would ask God, do you even know all the trouble that I'm going through? But this truth helps me realize that I don't have to get God's attention. He has always had his attention on me. You know, the Bible says his eyes on the sparrow. The song goes, if his eyes on the sparrow, then I know he watches me. And that's very, very true. So when you go through times of loss or grief or difficult times, the way my story reads, then keep in mind that God's completely aware of it. He's not ignoring you. He's not forgotten you. He still has a plan for you. That's important for you to believe, and it takes faith to believe that. Reminder number two, you're never alone. God is there. He is with you. Over and over in the Old Testament, these characters were either running from God or were all by themselves in the desert or on the backside of a mountain. And God showed up and reminded them, he is there. Elijah's story is one that resonates with me. And he comes down off that mountain, that Mount Carmel, with a lot of victory, but he begins to go into fear and runs into the wilderness. 
He thinks he's all alone. And then he leaves his servant behind and goes another day into the wilderness and he still thinks he's alone. But then he prays out, prays to God and, and God reminds him, no, I'm, I'm here. I've been watching you as you run as far as you can from me. And it's there that he has the encounter with God that is unforgettable. I want to remind you that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, he has, self, he has himself said to you, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. Actually, in the original language, that has five negatives in it. Mean, meaningly, meaning that he will never, 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 never leave us. So important for you to keep in mind. Reminder number three, God still keeps his promises. He's a promise-keeping God. Maybe you've heard that. I think one of the most important things that you and I have to do is we have to find the promises that God has given to us. And we have to begin to believe those promises and pray those promises. Someone said that thousands of promises are given in the Word of God. How many are you believing Him for today? I think that's a legitimate question. So how many promises are you asking God to fulfill in your life? Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, talking about this thorn in the flesh that he had, a physical ailment he had, he said, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness most gladly. Therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So God gave Paul a promise. My grace is going to be sufficient for you. And, and actually, that's a promise for every true believer. So it's yours too. And how important that promise is. Reminder number four, God's resources are endless. That's one of the great things about being created in the image of God. We're not just mere biological animals with brains and bodies. We actually have a soul. And our soul is intricately connected with the God of the universe. The fact that we are people made in his image means that we can know God, we can resonate with God, we can understand God. It also means that God's resources are available to us. We're not just mental and physical people who have a limited way of dealing with problems. We have a God who can transcend any limitations that man has. So we're created in God's image, and God's resources are endless. One of my favorite verses is James 1.5, and it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And my dear friend, I promise you, God will give you wisdom when you need it the most. And that's one of the greatest resources we have. So as I open my Bible every day, I know God's going to speak to me in some way. He's going to give me wisdom in some way. So reminder number four. God's resources are endless. Now here's reminder number five. Patiently waiting for God to speak or act keeps us from self-destructing. I think there's a fine art to not self-destructing. As a matter of fact, I think most of our most grievous errors are errors we commit ourselves while we're not trusting God. And we just self-destruct out of fear or out of anger or out of frustration Read the life of Joseph and you'll find a man that patiently waited in prison for years instead of organizing prison protests or trying to get the attention of the leaders. He just waited on God. David needed Abigail to keep him from self-destructing. Sometimes we need to listen to the wisdom of others to do that. And I think I was on my way to self-destructing a number of times as I was growing up. But all along the way, God would send somebody to help me that would steer me back towards him, that would keep me from self-destructing. 
Sometimes I, I think back to those days, my later teenage years, where I made so many catastrophic mistakes, headed in such the wrong direction. And when I would go that way, God would somehow rescue me with the counsel of someone, the encouragement of someone. And sometimes he just got me through extremely difficult places and situations uh, in ways that I cannot even explain. I mean, I've got stories about how I look back on events and wonder, how did I get from A to B safely? And the only thing I can conclude is that God somehow brought me through. And I'm sure that's true of your life as well. So wait for God to help you. Don't self-destruct. Reminder number six, grace and grit work well together. Uh, I used to give a lot of counsel as a young pastor, and I would counsel people, hang in there. And I knew it was more than just, you know, just uh, secular kind of encouragement. Hang in there is a good way to say it on the football field when you have a bad play or say it on the basketball court when you miss a free throw that you shouldn't have missed. Hang in there. It's going to get better. But the word hang in there, the, the phrase or the encouragement to hang in there is actually very biblical, and it aligns with the word endure. Just patiently endure. Hang in there. Because the truth is God is always at work, whether we can see him at work or not. But it's important to hang in there while God is at work. One of my favorite verses, one that I, I count as uh, my verse. I know others can say the same thing, but I count this as my verse very often. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Now, you know what that is? That's grace and grit. I'm hanging on. That's the grit part. And God's grace is showing up. That's the grace part. Sometimes that's how life is lived. We hang on to the best of our ability. And God comes through. At the moment, we need it. Just call grace. I heard someone say it like this. Call grace that siren at the top of the ambulance. It's on its way. The promise says it's on its way. And soon that ambulance will arrive. And with it, all the treatment that you can possibly need in your moment of need. And, and I believe that's true. Hold on till the grace of God gets to you. Because at some point, it surely will. And then reminder number seven. During every difficult season, God is building us to become more like Christ. Man, that's a great word. Everything God allows us to go through, he uses to build us up and to make us more and more like his son, Jesus Christ. And that is the overriding goal of God in the life of every believer. I want you to read with me Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. And uh, I, I call this the, uh, the verse of great encouragement. Uh, the first part of it we know. The last part of it shows the why of the first part of the verse. So listen to me and you'll see what I mean. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now I might ask the question, why do we know that? And the answer would be, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Did you catch that? God causes everything to work together for good because he has designed that you be conformed to the image of Jesus. And sometimes that means going through hard, difficult challenges in life. Basically, he's shaping us. He's making us into the kind of men and women he wants us to be. And the cool thing about this is, 
He has a goal in mind that he's working towards. We just can't see it sometimes when we're in the spot we're in. One of my favorite lifetime stories has to do with the sport of basketball. I loved basketball in high school. We had a great coach. His name was Gary Looper. And uh, I remember my junior year of high school, we had what I would consider a real failure of a season as the year began. Uh, I remember that we were losing game after game, and we'd lost twice as many games as we'd won. Uh, That's not good, however you're looking at it. It was just not a good place to be. I still remember the Christmas break and a meeting in our gym where he asked us to sit down in the bleachers and he outlined the Christmas season, Christmas break practice schedule. And it was tough. Instead of a break, it sounded like boot camp. And it felt like it too. I can remember running wind sprints and having practices when I was way, way beyond tired. But this coach believed in us and he said, we're going to make a run for this. And this season is going to change starting right here. And he lined out the plan for a comeback season. Now, I don't know how many of us believed that, but he sure believed it because he knew our potential and he knew the opponents we'd face. And uh, he was just wiser than we were. So we worked hard, and that's an understatement. We worked as hard as we possibly could during that break and resumed play. And I remember winning 15 of the next 16 basketball games. We came up through a very tough bracket to win the state championship against a really highly ranked team of really big and gifted ball players. But we won because our coach had a vision for our, our life and our season that we had never really considered. Uh, certainly, if we knew what his plan was and how much hard work it was going to take, we might have said no anyway. But he led us along day by day. He kind of pulled us through that training time over Christmas break and got us back on the road to winning, and we won the state championship. I'll never forget it as long as I live. It's been many, many years ago. And sometimes I converse with some of my friends uh, who were raised in that same uh, town and who remember that state championship and they remember it fondly. But again, I want to remind you, someone had gone before us to chart the course and had called us to it. And I promise you, God has done that in your life. Someone, that is God, has gone before you and charted the course of your life. And you're only walking in a vision that he has put in front of you. God's not done with you. And he's got plans for you if you trust him with those plans. My encouragement to you is look at the characters of the Bible. Let them be examples to you at this point in your life. And trust the God who crafted great comeback seasons for each of those individuals and who has a great comeback season in mind for you. It's not over. God's not done. Thank you for walking with me through this podcast. Thank you for reading the book. I hope you recommend it to others and steer others back to this podcast as well. Everybody needs encouragement to run the race of life. God bless.